Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast. I am your host, Edgar De Jesus, and yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, the famous Zach, the pool boy Nicholas, and we are in studio with Spider, the cannonball king himself. Today, we're talking to Mike Farley and Kevin Woodhurst. They are starting a new podcast that we are excited to talk about, the Poolside Perspective Podcast. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros, and yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry, but before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, SPPA, Blu-ray, Aquastar Pool Products, Natural Chemistry, Raypack, and our friends at Heritage Pool Supply. We want to thank them for their continued support. Mr. Zacharias, how you doing? Dude, I am feeling refreshed and revived. And when you guys first met me, I would go to bed early and get a full night's sleep. And then the longer I've gotten to know y'all, the less and less sleep I've been getting throughout the years. (laughs) So before my trip, I think I was being up till midnight, one in the morning. And I think I went through this whole summer like a zombie. And since I've gotten back, I am getting back to my 8, 9 p.m. in bed, getting a full night's rest. I think you've probably noticed I don't respond to the late night messages anymore. So I'm feeling really good, actually. So you're telling us that we are a bad habit. You went and now you're trying to clean up your act. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> John, challenge accepted. You know what? We're going to Vegas in about four weeks. So you're going to end up going right back to bed at, right. at midnight. So <laughs> go ahead, John. I'm glad you're feeling well, Zach, because I feel like complete dog crap today. You probably suck the life force out of me, um, but it's just temporarily. Don't get too used to the feeling because I'm glad you're feeling well, but I wish I had your enthusiasm today. So I'm going to rely heavily on you to make it happen. You got it? So you ready for it? I do have a question, John. Yeah. Because last night I'm calling you at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. You sounded like you were okay, that you were rested. I was fine. No, I mean, I was fine. All of a sudden, I got pulled into your boys' chat, right? So your boys all of a sudden added me to their chat group. And then the chat goes quiet. And I'm like, this is the most quiet chat that I've ever been part of. And then all of a sudden, they start lighting up my phone at 6 o'clock in the morning, my time, which is like 4 o'clock in the morning, their time. And then John is nowhere to be found on this. Uh, <laughs> I heard him and I looked at him like, oh my God, you have no idea how many of these group threads or group chats we've started over the years. And it seems like sometimes just like a little spark or fire that goes on and it will not shut up for like days. And my phone is like a slot machine. Bing, bing. So I learned to how to go in there and mute the chat. Ah, so that makes I sense. successfully muted you today at 5.45 a.m. Oh, so that was it. That makes sense. Yeah, I was muted. So 
And you see how he reveals the truth of what it is that he does, right? He's like, I just mute you, Edgar. Yeah, it is. I know we'll talk 42 times today on the phone anyway, so <laughs> there's no reason. I think it's a little unnecessary to send text messages as well. But yeah, I was okay. I'm not fighting anything like viral or sick or anything. I don't have any disease, but I think I'm just getting old. I just don't feel 100%. My back, I got like back pain and it's like radiating all the way around in my stomach and my chest. I just feel like I got ran over by a train. But uh, Mike, Kevin, we're older than him. I don't get any of that. Do you guys get any of that crap he's getting? No. no. Older than all of you. Yeah, because see, you got your pool side now, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I see. Oh, yes, how it goes. He, he dropped it, it quick. Awesome. Mr. Schmider, how you doing back there? Oh, yeah. You know what? My daughter came down with a couple of her friends because they go to OU and it's their big rivalry. So I, I didn't even think about that spider. But yeah, they're all in town. It's a huge, what, horns down? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. You're for that horns down? Yeah. Uh, there you go. So my son's yeah. not going to be happy about it, but <laughs> my wife and daughter will be. So yeah. we're a mixed home. So wait, did they go to OU or? My father-in-law taught there. Uh, and so they were brainwashed uh, as small children. Not brainwashed. Uh, yeah, no, not so, brainwashed. But I went to tech. So, oh, there you, know, you go. So we're a stepchild anyway. <laughs> Although we did beat OU the last time they played in the Big 12. And hopefully we can do the same for Texas at the end of the season. At the so, end of the season. Yeah. But, uh, OU's looking pretty good this year after last year that looked a little bit ugly last year yeah they swap out beating yeah. each other out, yeah so awesome mike how you doing i'm doing great this morning considering i got up at 4 a.m <laughs> to get here because i was on vacation in the panhandle of florida and i'd never been there before and my wife was like let's stay <laughs> i was like no dear we have to go we promised edgar I'm doing good. So Yeah. Has the tired kicked in yet or no? You're still No, I'm still doing fine. You're still doing fine. Uh, I would say it was caffeine, but I stopped drinking caffeine several months ago. So the water's kept me awake. So So Kevin, I think we need to give him that five hour energy so when he starts to fall asleep over there and then we can record the whole thing. Yeah, I think I know why he quit the caffeine. Well, I used to drink like a case of Coke Zero a day. Oh wow. <laughs> it was probably needed to stop that. Yeah, that's definitely not a good thing. So, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. I'm oh. great. Now, Kevin, are you new to Texas? I am. I moved here about a year ago from Phoenix, where I spent 30 years building, designing swimming pools. Gotcha. And how are you liking Texas so far? We love it. I almost wish I'd come here 10 years, 10 years earlier. Yeah. But it was time for us. So we raised five kids, and the last of the five just graduated from high school last year. And my wife said, what do you think about moving to Boca Raton, Florida? Uh -huh. And I said, no. <laughs> You're a compromising fellow. You met her halfway. I did. I said, well, can we get any closer? And she said, what do you think about Texas? And I have a lot of friends here and knew a lot of people and was pretty excited about it. And it just worked out. It's been great. I have loved every second here. That's awesome. So, see, John, you need to hurry up and do it because then you're going to be like everybody else. Like, I should have been here 10 years ago. You better get on that. You know what? I need to call Janie. I haven't talked to her in a while. I need to drop because I know you don't listen to me, but she'll probably at least listen to half of what I have to say. <laughs> She's on your corner for sure. She's on the Texas team, by the way. It's John. That's a little bit, you know. Hey, before we get started, I want to do a couple shout outs. Our boy Benny's on here. Good morning, Jeanette. Howard Pringle is, of course, going. Hi, John. And then you've got Donovan Shanahan. And he's giving you guys a shout out, going, love these guys. Mike is the best. 
Well, Mike got the first one from on there. And Janie's on there. Good morning to everybody listening out there. Before we get started, there's a couple housekeeping notes that I need to get out of the way. And that is that we are going to be up in Las Vegas. I know, Mike, you are. We're going to talk about that. Are you going, Kevin? I'll be there. <clears throat> yes. We'll talk about that. Million dollar challenge, right? We'll talk about that. I'm excited about that. It's really cool. It's a big deal. We have a boot camp that's going to be happening November 12th and 13th. Registration is open. If you're going to attend, go to PoolNation.com. There's a button there that says Boot Camp Las Vegas. Click on it. You're able to register. We're going to be doing on Sunday four hands-on classes. We're going to be doing pump and ozone insulation and programming with Aquastar. We're going to be doing automation and programming with Hayward. Heater installation and troubleshooting with Raypack and salt system installation and troubleshooting with Hayward. I jumped on last night on Instagram. I did a little video. We are at 78 spots that have been taken. We have two left that are open. So if you want to attend, I really highly suggest that you register. And the reason is we do small classes. We only do 20 people per class because we really want people to be hands-on with wire cutters, stripping wires. We want screwdrivers in hand. We want everybody to leave having touched everything that is in there. And then the next day on the Monday, we're going to be doing water chemistry. We're going to be doing ozone systems with Steve Barnes, managing salt system pools, next level water chemistry, specialty water care, phosphates and enzymes. And we did not do John, your borate class, which I did get three messages of people going, how come John's not doing the borate class? So we'll have to remember that one for the Western. Anyways, want to give a big, huge shout out to everybody that's sponsoring the boot camp, the SPPA, Blu-ray, Hassa, Aquastar, Hayward, Raypack, Heritage, everybody, Lamont, APSP, Hayward, everybody. Thank you so much for sponsoring that event. We are definitely excited about that. So if you want to get out there, register. We also have the Pool Nation Awards on the night of Tuesday, the 14th. The awesome event. Everybody dresses up really oh, nice. And you should see, I was getting messages last night at 11 from people sending pictures of suits, John, that they're having custom made to attend awesome. the awards. So, hey, so before we, uh, hold on, Zach, real quick. I got to go back a little bit to the boot camp here because uh -huh. it may be because I'm not feeling well or I'm just utterly confused or Edgar's just doing his Edgar Too thing. Fast. Didn't we just talk and say that we're full and that yet you just said we have two spots? Are we full or do we have two spots? We have two spots left. Oh, we do have two spots. We have two spots. I must not have been listening to you. Must have gone through one ear and out the other when we talked prior to the podcast because I could have sworn you said we were going to say it's full. You know what it is? Is your beard is growing so much out of control that, that it's, 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 got, it's gotten into your ears, and it's you know you, you you need to trim and clean up that beard, John. Wow. So okay. <laughs> speaking of that, hold on. Speaking of trimming up the beard, how about Zach? Did you cut did it, Zach? You, did you battle those demons and decide to keep the beard? Or are you going to follow through and get rid of it? Go baby face. For now, yeah, it's here. Keep it. Okay. We knew that Zach was in chaos mode when we got a message at 10 o'clock at night saying, I think I'm going to cut my beard. And we were just like, whoa. You made it through the summer <laughs> and now you're going to cut the beard? Yeah. I think he's going through some... He is. He's he, going I through mean, some, he's, some deep demons that are getting yeah, to him. Yeah, something's happening that, <laughs> out in the wilderness. Something, something went on out there. It yeah, but rather than getting messages of support and affirmation, <laughs> I got a bunch of hate back from these guys. <laughs> we were like, what happened during that camping trip that you come back and you want to shave yeah. that beard? So It makes sense that you want to shave it or you want to get rid of it because... Looking at mine every single day makes you feel inadequate or something. <laughs> <laughs> or that. 
Well, uh, that is a very large beard to live up nah, to. Yes. Yeah, no cutting it now. <laughs> yeah. I think they're just jealous because they can't grow beards that big. Yes, that's it. I definitely can't grow a beard, so I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to be like, what was it? Patrick Mahomes was joking around with Kelsey going beard, and he's like, dude, a fuzz doesn't count as a beard. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's get this party started. Uh, Mike, we obviously know who you are, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Just turned 60 this year. I earned my silver that's up here, but <laughs> it's been a fun 60 years. I was born on the East Coast. A lot of people don't know that. I was born on Jersey Shore. Before there was a TV show where I lived. And then at 12, I moved to Lubbock. So that was culture shock in the mid 70s. Then I went out to California and spent 12 years out there. And then I've been back in Texas now for 20 years. Me, my family, our dogs, my kids still live around here. So that's good. Except one went to Georgia. That's who we drugged to the shore there in Florida. A lot of fun. Family's a big deal. Lubbock, Texas back then must have been what, like all farmland? There was a guy that wrote a song, Happiness Was Lubbock, Texas, in my rearview mirror. <laughs> my rearview mirror. I was going to say, now, how big is Lubbock, Texas now? Because now it's a lot bigger, right? It is bigger, and it is the hub of the plane. Uh-huh. So, you go from Dallas to Albuquerque, there's not much in between. Uh-huh. So, anyway, but it was a good place to grow up. Yeah. Now, what did you do out in California for those 12 years? I got my degree in landscape architecture from tech, and the economy tanked immediately in the mid 80s. And so I went out to California, figured I'd stay a couple years, got married, had kids, switched over from landscaping to the pool industry. Anyway, we decided that we didn't want to raise our kids there. So it's a great place for a lot of people, but we decided to move back to Texas at that point. So I was in the landscape and pool industry out there both. And then what year did you move back to Texas? 99. 99. Okay. So you got here in time. Yeah. Came back in time. Yes. So everybody in California, like, you're an idiot. You'll never make money in Texas. And then they were like, how in the world did you figure to move to Collin County? And I moved to McKinney because we wanted a little bitty town on the edge of the Metroplex. That didn't work out so well. And Prosper was like non-existent at that point. They had a mall and strip joint in Frisco. That was all that was basically there. The mall was under construction. Yeah, it's blown up. Now they're like, Man, I can't believe you figured out how to move there. And I was like, some people are just blessed and lucky. <laughs> You've had a great run. Yeah, it's, yeah, You've had a great run. It's an awesome place to be in the pool industry. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think a lot of people just have this image of Texas just being tumbleweeds everywhere. Oh, love it. It's crazy how much money there is out here in Texas and how much extra income people have. It's uh, a great place to be. It's work. a beautiful of a place to be. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I do the same thing was the, the joke is a bumper sticker, right? I didn't know about Texas but I got here as soon as I could type thing. We love it. It's awesome out here. I had the t-shirt when I was a kid, Yankee by birth, Texan by choice. So I was accepted. (laughs) So Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. I went in the Air Force when I was very young, just literally right out of high school. I spent 13 years flying all over the world and had a good time, got to inadvertently look at a lot of different architectural things. I've always been interested in building and designing stuff. And about 30 years ago, decided to make a move to the Sun Belt, to the Phoenix area, and literally fell into the pool industry. We had purchased a home. It didn't have a pool. Been a realtor for a lot of years. And I thought, we need a pool. Why don't I jump into the pool business without really even having a whole lot of exposure to it? But while in the Air Force, I worked as a civil engineer tech and got introduced to commercial swimming pools on the bases and a few other things 
not really knowing that I would ever end up in the swimming pool industry. But after moving to Phoenix, I just had this desire to get involved in the business and work for a company that I learned literally everything I didn't want to know about the pool industry. So it was a great foundation. And then just everything just worked out. It just was crazy and and met some great mentors and really immersed myself within the industry and the educational opportunities, the associations, and found some just wonderful people. And it just, it's been a phenomenal run. It just has been so much fun. And this last year is really a great way to put some icing on it. So I'm 61. I'm, I want to work nine more years. I want to work till I'm 70. I like working. I love this industry. I love the business. It's been great to me. It's been good for my family. Met a lot of great people, a lot of good friends, and it's been good. That's awesome. Mike, you talked a little bit about landscaping architecture, and that's what you got your degree in. Yes, sir. How did you fall into pools? And I was in California. The landscape company I worked with, we worked behind a pool company. We did all their landscaping work. And so I started doing master plans that I would develop the whole backyard. And part of that would be a, a swimming pool. And then I'd give the design to the pool company and they'd say, thanks, Mike, and give me a gift certificate to Sizzler. And they'd sell the pool and then they'd upgrade all the things that they wanted to add during the construction process. And when it came around to doing the landscaping, the clients would be like, oh, sorry, we blew the landscape budget on some additional upgrades on the pool. And so I'm like, wait, I designed it. I gave it to them. They made a huge commission. I got a gift card to Sizzler and <laughs> now I don't get anything. So I decided to move up the food chain to control the process. So that way they didn't blow my landscape budget. So I started doing pools and landscaping. And that's what I did the last seven years I was in California. I worked actually both sides. So I was the guy that you could call and I could take care of everything in the backyard. So let me ask you something, because one of the things that I've noticed in talking to a lot of builders, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, one of the trends that I tend to see is when I see somebody that their focus is landscape architecture and somebody that is just a designer or a pool builder, for some reason, those people that do the landscape architect side of it are always working on like these massive projects that are probably what seemed to me like 10 times the budget of a regular designer. Is that because the type of clientele that attracts is somebody that's really looking for that entire backyard or? I think a lot of people that come to the table with a pool don't know how to think about all the, the parts of the they're just trying to get the pool to start with. And that was the thing that was frustrating because they would talk to me and be like, hey, we want to add an arbor in the backyard. And I'd be like, if your pool designer had to just slid this pool over five feet farther, we could put the arbor in. But now there's not enough room between the arbor and the setbacks with the property line and all these things. So, yes, when I do a project, I do what I call a master plan. So I'm thinking about not just the pool, but all the elements that they want to put into their backyard. Especially in small yards, this becomes real important because you have a jigsaw puzzle and you're trying to put all these things in. And a lot of times people are like, we can't get it all because we put the pool dead center to begin with and made it easy for the pool. Now all the other pieces won't work. You do those type of projects, you end up being the one that gets called on to deal with bigger and bigger things, I think. Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. But yes, you're doing master planning for the whole thing and trying to think about all the aspects. Gotcha. Kevin, how did you exactly end up in the pool industry and what made you decide to get into it? As I was saying before, we had purchased a house in Phoenix and 
Phoenix is hot. We just decided we wanted to get a pool. And I was at a crossroads, if you will, with what I was going to do and just started reaching out to some pool companies. It was kind of interesting because I had been in a management position in a lot of places prior to that and had always been in some sort of leadership role. So I called around looking for a company that was willing to hire me as a sales manager with zero experience in the pool industry. And I found somebody that actually did, but they wanted me to do a build out on another location. And as a previous uh, general contractor, I didn't have a problem with that, did the build out, hired some new people. But I quickly realized it just wasn't the right fit for me. That organization wasn't, they're no longer in business, but it was literally accidental. So, I mean, I like to joke about the fact that I fell into the industry. I was lucky, and this is the premise, I think, behind my message along with what Mike and I are doing is to help people, or at least to help the new generation, because I'm very excited about some of these new guys that are in the industry and what they're putting out there, is if you want to get involved in this industry, find some mentors, find some good people, and follow them. People like Mike and myself, we're glad to share information. We don't have a problem with it at all. Mike's been an educator in in the industry for a long time. I've done some of that education as well. And we want to share. There's a lot of knowledge in both of our heads, and, and we're just looking forward to getting the message out. But literally, as I said before, I fell into the business, and it's been awesome. It's a great career. It's been a lot of fun. So like you were talking about, you guys are both very big on education. Can you talk a little bit more on the education side and what education you've been a part of and why education is so important to both of you? Sure. So I got involved with Genesis literally at the very beginning, and I stayed in that for a few years and got to know quite a few of the people that were involved in it. David Tisherman, I really enjoyed spending time with David. My trajectory was a little bit different because I got involved with the associations, and so I was compelled to support the association's efforts on their certification program. So I went through all the industry certifications, and there was quite a few more back in the early 2000s than there were now. And of course, there's been a lot of changeover, and the association has changed because I was involved back with NSPI. So went and did all of that stuff and circled back around, but Mike went through the whole thing and spent years in it. And so his education is a little bit different than mine, but they tie in together somewhat. And he's been very visible in what he's done and he's just done a phenomenal job. But yeah, that's uh, the education is a big deal. Furthermore, I think as an industry, if we want to elevate the industry and make it that much better, which is again, part of our goal is to get people involved. And hopefully there's going to be a lot more educational opportunities and what you guys are doing is great. There just wasn't that much stuff 30 years ago. And in fact, Mike and I were talking on one of our podcast uh, episodes that we've already created about the Sunset book. And there just wasn't a lot. And now there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of areas you can go into, and there's just a lot of great people in the industry just doing awesome stuff. Mike, you're huge into education. So can you tell us a little bit about why that's so important? As he alluded, when I first switched over to the pool industry from the landscape industry, I'm an education nut. So everybody thinks, oh, we studied landscape architecture. You must've got a lot of this in college. We did one residential project in a five-year program. And in that residential project, we could opt to have some form of water. I was the only one in the class and I had a portable hot tub. So <laughs> to say that I got trained through the landscape side, not happening. Okay. So when I switched over, I was like, I'll go down to the bookstore and get a book. And so I went, and as Kevin alluded, there was one and it was a little paperback one by Sunset Magazine. So it was like, this isn't going to teach me. 
And so one of the things I looked to was the first thing was trade journals. In reading trade journals, I found out, hey, there's an international pool show. I talked to the management of the company and they said, well, if you submit for an award, you win an award, we'll let you go. So I got an award of merit <laughs> on a remodel. I'd already been in the pool industry at that point, seven years. And so I went to the pool show in 98. And when I was there, the classic guys were teaching class and everything like that. And one of the things that was mentioned was three of these guys were starting this training thing called Genesis. And so I was like, oh, this would be exciting. I want to up my game and that type of thing. And you had to submit a resume to go to the class. And so I submitted a resume and they said, no, you're not good enough. Wow. I was crushed, but they were very smart. They picked very strategic builders at that point and designers in the industry, and they picked the top 30 guys, and that's who then became basically their advertising is because they went out and told everybody all about it. So the second year, I submitted my resume again, and they said yes, and so I got to go. So I tell people if it wasn't for me going to the international show, there's no way I would be who I am today because that started the whole process. When I went to the Genesis class, David Tisherman said, there aren't pool books. You're going about this wrong. What you need to do is look at all the other arts, look at architecture, look at art, look at engineering, look at horticulture, look at all these other aspects, because those are all the things you need to put together to become a good pool designer. And so he basically had a list of 30 books, which had nothing to do with the pool industry. Well, David was an educator to begin with. He taught, was it UCLA? Something like that. The art department. Anyways. He opened all of our eyes up to a whole different world. It was just a different way to look at things. In fact, that's why I had a column in Water Shapes for 10 years. And they put me at the very back of the magazine. <laughs> I was on the last page called Book Notes because I did a book report every month on something totally outside of the industry that you could read and apply back to the industry. So I went through the Genesis training. It took a long time because, as Kevin alluded to, back then you flew to, oh, they're going to teach construction in Miami, so you're going to fly to Miami and you're going to take a four-day. There was no things done with the show. There was nothing online. It took a long time. It took me 20 years to become a master's through Genesis. Okay. And I'm also through Watershape University. I have their highest certification as well. I'm always trying to learn things. We were in Florida, but right before that, as with the tributary group, one of the things we did is we went to the National Whitewater Training Facility, okay, where they built a pool. It is whitewater rafting that simulates a whitewater river, and they can have all these pumps and all these things. We're talking massive, crazy things. We got to meet with the architect that designed this whole thing. So that was one of the things we did. So I'm always trying to learn stuff. And again, as Kevin alluded, I've been blessed because a lot of people have poured into me and given me knowledge and information to help me, especially the first seven years before I found the show. There's a lot of people that just freely helped me out with stuff because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was working with a great company, and that really helped. I landed with Jeremy Pools, which they're celebrating their 100th year this year. So anyway, we try to give back to help other people. But the cool thing is people can learn much faster today because of all the opportunities that there are. My son works with me, and I'm like, you'll be doing stuff at the level that I'm doing in probably 20% of the time that it took me to figure out all this stuff. That's crazy. It is. It is crazy. And it's like 
It's interesting hearing the journey. You used to have to go out and seek the information, right? You had to piece together the education. 100%. You had to think outside the box, bringing in other things to learn design that are outside of the pool industry. And it's very exciting time for our industry where it's all starting to come together. And the people that have gone out and sought that information over time are packaging it in a way, like you said, that people can get up to speed and get educated at a much faster rate. And I think that's such a huge thing for our industry, especially someone that has employees and creating, I talk about it all the time. People are probably sick of hearing me talk about it, but just creating that access to be able to bring them up to a professional technician level where I've been doing it not as long as a lot of people, but 12 years now. And it's took me forever to get to the point where I am today. I love it. And we're just as passionate about that education. And it's exciting to see. I'll take it one step further. Not only back in the day, having to go back and piecemeal and try to find information to get it. And then now how it's much more readily available. But the issue was at least before, and even when I first started in the industry is when you had to go out and seek this information and find this information, a lot of times were you even getting the right information where it's like, you can go out and be that go-getter, go seek and try to find this information. And then you finally find somebody or something, or you believe it's the right path. And then now you're taught something that you're going to have to unlearn or have to learn that it's wrong five years down the road or 10 years down the road after X and X happened. We are definitely in exciting times. And I think all of us can agree. And we've all said it already where this is the time to learn and not saying that there isn't misinformation out there. There surely is, but there's so much good information out there where it's a lot easier where you can find and vet this information before you even implement it because all the tools are available, whether it's apps, whether it's training courses through shows or online certifications or books or whatever it may be, the information's there and good information that people can now apply. And when you said what you said about how someone getting into the industry now, if they apply themselves, they can gain a generation worth of knowledge or a lifetime worth of knowledge in such a short period of time. And in our industry, to be able to get that education and to harness that power, especially now and how fast I believe we're growing, sky's the limit for anybody. And that's why I'm so keen on education as well. And all of us here, it's the key to our success, right? It's what's going to elevate us from good to great across the board. The internet just changed everything. 30 years ago, there wasn't an internet that we even had access to. So we just didn't have the resources back then. Again, that's what's really exciting is that this whole new generation and even the people that haven't gotten into the industry yet have the resources now to get up to speed relatively quick. And that is an exciting thing. Just to let you know, I was barely born in those 30 years ago. So oh, <laughs> you say that and I just sit here and I go, oh man, she's 30 years ago to think about it, but it seems like yesterday. It goes by fast. It, it, uh, it, yes, by, it does go by fast. Very fast. One of the things that we love about you guys, and Mike, you and I have talked before, but when we talked about doing the podcast and stuff like that, Zach, John, and I were just so excited because... What we're trying to do on the pool pro side is the same passion that you guys are bringing into the builder side. So when you guys talked about doing a podcast, and we'll, we'll talk about that here shortly, what I loved about the conversation was what's the why, right? Like why at the end of the day, everything that you do has to have a why. But in our conversation, it was so much of the passion that's behind you guys about 
trying to help the next generation that's going to come up in through the industry. And as we start to fade out, we just get to the point where we just almost want to see this industry that we love just be in better hands. And so I absolutely love what you guys are doing and what you're going to do with that podcast with regards to educating, you know, like not, the whole, not just, as we get to fade out. What is that? I know. Just fade out, bro. John, you're going to fade out sooner than I am based on your conversations <laughs> do, with your back and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to carry you. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm going to have to fade out because I'm going to have your <laughs> fade out. I will not go softly into the night. <laughs> yeah. Don't go quiet either. <laughs> yes. Well, that's for sure. I'm not. <laughs> oh, we're counting on John sinking the ship. John, <laughs> we've already had a conversation that when the day is over, John's going to get to sink the ship, right? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'll blow it all up in one day. <laughs> Kevin, I have a question for you, but I want to jump back to something you said earlier that no one else really clued on to. You said you were from Boise, Idaho? I am from Boise, Idaho. Oh, yeah, so we're, uh, we're Idaho brothers. I'm from Coeur d'Alene, born and raised. Uh, uh, that is God's country. That is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out. I did, John, I did, did you, catch it. Did you see that sparkle in Zach's face? No, I know. And I didn't want to bring it up because we're going to start hearing <laughs> war stories about wild beef jerky that he makes and wrestling. All the um, naked and afraid episodes. Yeah, all the black bears and the grizzly bears out, all this hunting. and Rocky Mountain uh, oysters. Yeah, I didn't want to get into it, but I did hear that, Zach. Idaho people don't run into each other very often out in the world. There's not as much of us out there. Yeah, because you guys like... don't have much communication. You're out in the cabins. You don't have cell phones. You don't no. talk. You don't email. None of that, right? You still carrier pigeon or... We're harvesting potatoes. Yeah. Trying to find a place to go to the bathroom. They're going hunting, and I'm thinking yeah. they're going to have all these rifles and stuff, and they're like, oh, we're, we're bow and arrow. I'm like, dude, yeah, come no on. No TV. Yeah. No. I think the DFW area is, what, five, six million, maybe seven? Idaho is maybe a million people total. Yeah. There's very few of us out there. <laughs> Fun fact, I can tell you back very in few 2000, back in two, around early 2000s, we almost moved to Idaho. What? Yep. It's Fun beautiful. It's almost, a great place. Dude, it was at the time, I think it was like we were looking at a home that was like 6,500 square feet on two acres. At the time, I think it was like $150,000 or something like that, or something ridiculous as far as price somewhere near Idaho in that area. And we were in the time of our life. We're like, you know what? Let's roll and let's go. But we didn't pull the trigger. So we'll move yeah, to fun. Texas. If it makes you feel uh, any well, better, yeah, that place is are. probably worth a million and a half dollars now. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right? So don't miss the opportunity to move to Texas now. We already bought a house out there. We already moved the in-laws out in Texas. So we got one foot in Texas already. We love it. I actually miss it. And we're going through withdrawals when we don't get to go over there. I'm looking forward to the 19th of October. Can't come quick enough because... I think that's your crankiness. I think that's why you've been... You've really been off your game for the last couple of days. And I truly believe that it's because you haven't come to Texas. I think it is. As much as I'd love to say it's because I miss you, which I do. I (laughs) enjoy your company. I think it's the food, the quality of the food. Food's good. Oh, God. Really good. Texas. Oh, If you want to get to John and have him on your good side, just take him somewhere to eat. I will tell you this. It it is an experience. John's the type of guy that he goes out to eat. He sees three appetizers that he likes. He orders all three. There's two entrees that he likes. He orders both of them. And then his wife orders another one. And you sit there and I don't have any space for my food. And the whole table is just full of food. If you commit 
to choosing a place or taking John to oh, a place yes. to no. eat, you better be certain that it is a good place to <laughs> oh, eat. Because yes. he will not 100%. hold back. Well, he, he wouldn't yeah. like the places I would probably <laughs> want to go to. <laughs> Let me tell you, he'll just throw you into your face. Like, I took him to a place that I thought was really good pizza. And then we leave and he's like, that's the shittiest pizza I've ever had, Edgar. And I'm just like, yeah. are you kidding me? That's like a major hotspot for pizza. And he's just like, it sucked. But I got to say, I love to eat. One of the reasons I like eating to Texas as well is because it supports my eating problem. Maybe I don't know what you want to call it, but eating disorder. But when I go there, you can order all those things in Texas. And it's like ordering a sandwich here in California because an appetizer here are like two entrees in Texas. And the quality of food and the amount of food you get too is just pretty amazing. Nothing better than Texas food, in my opinion. On the people here, that's one of the biggest differences I've noticed. Even my wife, Heather, I've made friends with the 7-Eleven owner down the street. Everybody is friendly. And you feel like they actually have some concern. Like it, But it's, they really it's mean true. It. Yeah, it's, they really mean it. Yeah. And it's across the board everywhere. It's across the board everywhere. You nailed it because of the first time we went out to Texas, that's exactly what really sold us was that hospitality. In California, where we're at, everybody's in their bubble and it seems everybody's bothering everybody and nobody wants to interact. That human aspect has been like thrown out the window, especially in more of the city areas. In Texas, when we go there, people hold the doors open for you. It's hi, ma'am. Hi, sir. How are Everywhere. you? It's more. And it's how I grew up. We grew up in a very traditional home and it was be very respectful. It is hold the door open. But it's saying thank you. It's saying you're welcome. Being genuinely concerned about somebody else and not being selfish and only concerned about yourself. We're out there in Texas. It felt like home. And when we did that, and my wife, Janie, she immediately picked up on it as well and said, wow, this is where we want to go. So we made the decision then that we were going to move out there. And yeah, we just love the atmosphere and the family values, I guess you can put it, that, that are instilled out there as a whole in a community opposed to where we're at. Where we live, everybody's just crabby and whatever. That good attitude is just prevalent everywhere, as I was saying before. Yeah. And we spent 30 years in Phoenix, and we love Phoenix. We still have a home in the foothills, and, and we like it there. We love it there. Our kids are there. Great place to be in the industry. But we were ready for a change. And Heather just, she said, as I said before, wanted to go on a new adventure. And it is really a great place to live. And I mean it when I say I love it here. And, and what made you pick exactly where you decided to land? When I first came over, I actually spent some time down in Houston because there was a company for sale down there. And we considered buying a company over here and just getting back into the pool business as a builder. And after spending 10 or 12 days in Houston and driving around in that traffic and the humidity there, it's kind of a hard no. Really hard no. <laughs> From Phoenix to Houston would be brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. There's some great companies down there. We spent time in League City. That's a cool place because it's down near the coast and spent some time on the coast. But a good friend of mine, Jeff Moreland, lives in the area up here. And he suggested to me, he said, if you're going to move to North Texas, you need to talk to Claffy Pools. And I'd made some phone calls and had a number of interviews set up. And when the Claffys flew me out and spent an entire day with Heather and I didn't even want to go anywhere else. They just made me feel like they wanted me to be there. And that hasn't changed. When you go to work for a company, for an organization, I think you always go in with the mindset of everybody's got their best face on, they're acting professional and good. 
And you just expect that at some point the warts are going to start showing because that's just the way it is. We all have our mask on our face on to begin with. And that organization is as well run of an organization as I have ever seen. Mike's been there for almost 20 years and it says something to you. Here's Mike Farley. He's been there for 20 years. He could go out and start a company easily enough. I clearly could start a company. But you get there and it's like, why? This is a company that has its act together. They can build anything we ask them to. Anything that we come up with, anything that we design, Chartered Claffy is not afraid to build. And so it's a really perfect scenario as a designer, as a creator, to be able to do this for clients and be able to have a competent construction side behind you. And it's really good. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Hey, guys, let's do this. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. When we come back, have one or two more questions, and then I want to talk about your guys' podcast. We'll be right back. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray, all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. 
Natural Chemistry, a leader in specialty water care solutions for over 30 years, is proud to provide products that make pool service easier than ever before. Its unique enzyme formulations in Pro Series Pro Blend improve efficiency of your pool program while reducing frequency of filter cleaning and scum lines. Natural Chemistry is also well known for its wide variety of phosphate removal solutions that include a non-clouding formula in Phosfree and extremely high-range removal with Pro Series Foss Remove or Foss Free Max. Save time, save money, save work with Pro Series products. Stop sacrificing durability or efficiency with the help of Raypack's new Avia HD models that utilize NITEC, their exclusive industry-first technology. NITEC Heat Exchanger Technology is Raypack's latest solution to superior strength and maximum efficiency when it comes to residential pool heating. With 900% more nickel compared to Cooper Nickel in critical surfaces, NITEC creates an ideal surface to protect against scale formation and erosion without compromising on Avia's 84% thermal efficiency. Learn more at raypack.com slash nitech. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation Live Podcast. We're talking to Mike. We're talking to Kevin. And they are the co-founders and the co-hosts of the Poolside Perspective Podcast. And we're going to start jumping into that and talking about that a little bit here. I do have to say, Mr. Flawless, as we are on live, I got a message. Oh, boy. And the two spots that we had are now officially gone. See, we are full. So we are full. You were right. <laughs> you yeah. were right, John. There you go. I like it. I like the way you think. <laughs> and maybe they're two fake numbers from John and he's texting yeah. me so that he makes it seem like they're full. <laughs> no, I'm sure he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's continue our conversation. Zach, I know I cut you off last time. You were going to ask a question. So I'll let you jump in before we start talking about the podcast. Yeah. Kevin, I have it here that you have designed, built, or managed the construction of over 4,500 projects. Can you talk a bit about that? Because that is a lot of projects. The first company that I worked for, I think there was probably 30 or 40 projects on that. But I got involved with a company called Build Your Own Pool right after that experience, of which I said earlier that I learned a lot of things that I really didn't want to know about the pool industry but I don't want to focus on any negativity. It just, one of my first mentors was a guy named Rex Richard. And he had a company in the Phoenix area called Build Your Own Pool. And it had an office in Tucson, office in Phoenix. I hired on with him, became the GM in about six months and ultimately the VP of operations. And we grew that organization from about 50 to almost 500 owner builder projects a year between those two places. I worked there for approximately six years before I had decided that it was time to do something on my own, at which point I don't think a whole lot of people had a whole lot of confidence that an owner-builder guy could would even know anything about pools. Well, Rex was really high on education. And for those who have been around the industry a long time, he's done a lot of good stuff in the industry. And he was my resource, if you will, for how to go about becoming something, you know, in the industry. And so him and I just set out on a really awesome adventure of growing that organization, doing educational seminars, and being very involved in the pool industry itself. So I think during that time, there was probably at least 2,000 projects built, designed, I was involved in, because I had my hands on literally everything. When I started Precision, it became the fastest growing pool company in the country 
And we started that in 2003. And it was sold two years later to Premier Pools and Spas. We were one of the first franchise operations I think they wanted to give a shot to. And I ended up leaving that. But yeah, there's been a number of companies that I've worked for and have been involved in and designed for. And I've worked in the field. I've been the construction manager of service. I've built service companies. I've done a lot, lots of renovations, lots of new pools. And it's just been a really broad perspective. And as I said before, I've had some really good mentors. I got to be good friends with Lou Akins very early on. In fact, I don't know if you remember the cassette tape Vanishing Edge pool thing that he put out many years ago. And him and I just remained friends. And I like having connections in the industry. And I've sought out people that I thought were, okay, this person really knows what they're doing. This person had an impact on the industry. This person has made a difference. And that's really what I wanted to do. And that's why I'm still doing it. To kind of tag on to that question a little bit more, go a little bit further, I'm sure out of all the pools that you guys have designed, I have to imagine some of the early ones, even at that time, were probably the most complicated pools ever, or one of them, where in today's time, you're looked at as that's a pretty basic cookie cutter type of pool based off technology and innovation and education and stuff. So in the recent years, what are some of the most emerging trends or innovations that you guys have seen that you've integrated into your swimming pool designs that have excited you the most? The biggest pool that I've done is I was built in the early 2000s, and it was a big freeform pool. It's a massive pool. It was designed on paper. I mean, Mike and I have laughed about this before and talked about it. Go back 20, 25 years, a pool studio didn't exist. There wasn't software available, so we had to be creative enough at the kitchen table with a pencil and paper to design stuff. And that particular pool, they wanted Hawaiian look to it. It was nearly a million dollars for that whole backyard. And 20 years ago, that was a bunch of money. It's a bunch of money now. In that particular case, I got to do so many things that I had wanted to do or that I hadn't done before. And the homeowner just basically said at one point, he goes, look, you got this. And that's Really, I think where you want to get to the point is where the consumer has enough confidence in you that they're like, just do your thing. This is what you do. I'm good at making money. I'm good at cars. I'm good at whatever it is that I'm good at. But you're the pool guy. And so be the pool guy. And that particular project allowed me to do just crazy stuff. We did a lazy river on that, but river flow didn't exist. How do you do that? We've got six 25-horsepower motors with eight-inch suction driving a giant lazy river, but there was just the scale of the project was just massive. And I think back on it now, and we did that project from start to finish in five months. And when you look at the scale of the project, I think we did a pretty amazing job. And it is a big one. There's 5,000 square feet of hand-picked moss rock flagstone as decking. There was five or six semi-truck loads of rocks, and we've got hidden tube slides and a rock water feature. There's just a lot of stuff going on. So you get your opportunities to do crazy stuff and cool things. But the design trends changed from freeform and organic to very modern and complex and straight lines. And so it brought up a whole bunch of other features that we could put on pools and the vanishing edge pools, the perimeter overflow pools. And now with the new PAL lighting, there's just lots of new things. And it's fun to see exciting new trends. But I think everybody, the big trend is we want to walk into the backyard and be blown away. I read a little bit about you guys, you do something called you're promoting green building practices or an eco-smart concept. 
Where did you find you, that information? At? <laughs> Talk a little bit about that, because that's more new age now in the way we're thinking and things are changing as far as like chemical consumption, how we view sanitizing and disinfecting pools, what's needed, what's not needed. Can you just get into what that is and why you see it as a benefit? When I got first got into the industry, there's only single speed pumps. So from single speed pumps, we went to two speed pumps. And I don't think a whole lot of people got on board with that. Rex and I were on board with that very early on. In fact, he very much wanted to build energy efficient pools and pools that required less maintenance. And so we just did some things that were different at the time. And so we were using ozone 25 years ago. And when I took over for a company in Phoenix back in about 2009 or 10, that was having its struggles, I basically rebranded it as a energy efficient, eco-smart pool builder. And all that really entailed was either a two-speed pump, which eventually became a variable speed pump, ozone to reduce the amount of a chemical consumption, but hydraulic design that helped a system work efficiently, saved money, but also just made things easier for the homeowner. Because the number one I think complaints you hear from people is pools are a pain to take care of. It's hard. We know because we're in the industry, it's really not hard. But how do you put stuff on a swimming pool so that a homeowner wants to have a pool? They want to have another pool. They want to go into to work and say, we love having a pool. If we're going to grow an industry, we need to make it easier for the homeowners. And so the premise back then was just how can we do that? And that's really what happened with that for me. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, you asked how things went from simple to crazy over a long period of time. And I tell people today, typical salesperson designer has a really hard time because you're expected to step into a backyard and be able to design a vanishing edge pool. And you have to deal with a cabana and a bathroom and an outdoor kitchen and the plumbing for all that and features. I can count on my hand the first 10 years how many outdoor kitchens I did. We just didn't do them. We didn't build these. Now we build a resort in the backyard and we build a house to habitat in the backyard. <laughs> so now we can live in the backyard and do everything in the backyard that we used to do in the house. That's what COVID changed all that. And I don't see the pool industry ever going back to that situation. There were things that we did years ago that we were proud of that a designer today is expected to do probably within the first year they're in the business. And I did simple things. People all the time are like, well, I don't know if I could ever get where you are. And I'm like, did you see what I designed in the first 10 years I was in the business? <laughs> You'd be embarrassed to start designing that because that's all we were asked to do. As an industry, all we were asked to do is design pools. And that's all we did. But the industry's been asked to add all these layers and it's more and more complicated. You almost have to know how to build everything today because they want everything in the backyard. That's where the education becomes even more critical because there's people out there that don't know and they're selling things and then they're getting into all kinds of trouble. I think that's the complexity that's changed is we morphed from just being the pool industry to now we're the outside adventure industry, the outside entertainment industry, the staycation industry. The, and COVID did change a lot of that. I think it was headed that direction anyway as it got more yeah, complicated. And as, as new talent came in, that's the thing about collaboration and having more people involved that really care and want to do something special is they're pushing the envelope on stuff and it's gotten pushed a long way. And now it's very complex for sure. I'm glad you answered. One of my questions was going to be was, did you think that COVID was the one that really pushed that? 
Because I think that's what we see, even from the smaller pools. Like people just don't want the hole in the backyard anymore. Now you got to have that kitchen. You got to have that hangout. Yeah, they're rarely asking for just a swimming pool. I don't talk to those people. (laughs) (laughs) That is because you guys should see some of the stuff that Mike does. It's just absolutely amazing. It's not that I wouldn't want to help somebody. It's just just not what you do. It's not what I do. And quite honestly, there's only so many hours in the day to do it. And there's a lot of people that can deal with simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's only a few of us that deal with crazy stuff. Yeah. And so you have to focus your attention to where you're best suited. At least that's what I've tried to do. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about the podcast that you guys are starting. Let me start off by asking the first question. When are you dropping the first episode? It'll drop on Monday. It'll drop on this Monday. This Monday. Okay. And what's the name of the podcast? Poolside Perspectives Podcast. Poolside Perspective Podcast. Okay. Plural, multiple perspectives. Multiple perspectives. Mike, you and I have known each other for a little while, and I think you're just absolutely amazing from the standpoint of the things that you've done, the builds that you've done. I think you've been almost to the forefront of what we see. So we talk about lazy rivers, right? Yes, sir. Um, And lazy rivers today seem to be a lot more common. They're getting there. But you were building lazy rivers 12 years ago. 12 years ago, you were building the first lazy rivers and stuff like that. So everything that you do to help, and you have the million dollar challenge, which is really focused on giving these people opportunities to work on things that they might never work on. To some of those things that you talked about where you have to know everything about the backyard, you have to know about every touch point nowadays. And you've had the opportunity in your career to be able to obviously do those things very early on. You're a very busy guy. You are a successful guy. You come out and you're like, hey, Edgar, can we talk to you? We want to do a podcast. And you obviously pick my interest. But what inspired you guys to get together with your busy schedules and go, I think we need to do a podcast. I think we need to help educate So what specifically inspired you guys to take on that task? Because it's not an easy feat. A lot of people think that doing podcasts is easy, but it's a lot of work. Kevin came to me and said, I think I want to do a podcast and would you be interested in doing it with me? (laughs) And I said, no, (laughs) I've got enough on my plate right now. I can't handle it. Why in the world would I add this to my plate? (laughs) And so he said, no, hear me out and let's talk about this a little bit. And so He wore me down some, and then I was like, okay, if we're really going to consider this, we have to talk to somebody that knows something about this. And so that's when we prompted the call to you and and talked to you. And and after that conversation, I was like, okay, it's possible that this could happen. And Kevin was like, yeah, we need to have this October 1st out. And I was like, you're smoking something. I don't know what you're smoking, but there's no way in the world this is happening. And here we are. We didn't make October 1st, but shortly thereafter, we drop in the first episode on Monday. So it is a passion of mine to give people information. I've taught at the International Pool Show since O2, a regional show shortly thereafter. And part of it is you want to help other people because other people helped you. And I think that this, we're taking a different spin on this than most people are thinking of in the fact that What we're looking at is we're trying to give information to the consumer. And there's very little information that's given to the consumer so they can help 
make educated decisions so they can have a better experience with our industry so they know things and stuff like that. And then the secondary is, yes, it'll be extremely helpful for people in the industry that are saying, how did you go through this process? I'm laying out things that I do in my process that took me years to figure out. And basically it's here, take it, make it better. That's what we're trying to do. So that's my side of the whole story. I'm sure he's got a totally different side <laughs> on how this came about. But anyway, that's my take. So I had a, a radio show in Phoenix about between 15 and 20 years ago that ran for a few months. And they sold the radio station, so we had to shut it down. And I did that one on my own. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. Had some great people involved in it. I've always had this desire to do it again. Technology changed circumstances changed. And like Mike, I like giving back. I'm very much appreciative and blessed with the mentors that I've had along the way. And hopefully I've had a good influence on quite a few people over the years. I know that I have because I know some of them are doing very well. And uh, congratulations to all of them that are. And when I first got over here, it was one of the first things I said to Charlie was, look, I have a desire to do a podcast at some point. And I didn't get any issues from him with it. But my mind's always spinning that way. And Mike and I, though we knew each other, didn't really know each other very well. It took a little while for us to get used to dancing. Because <laughs> I think he was like, who the heck is this guy that come over here from Phoenix? And everybody knows Mike. He's got a great presence. He's done an amazing job for the industry. He's a huge asset to the industry. He's got a massive bed of knowledge. He's fun to be around. It's inspiring to get around people that have done stuff. And thought, well, if Mike's interested in doing this, then maybe we can make a run at it. And here we are. And for me, I've always felt like the consumers are at such a disadvantage because our industry talk is so different. The language is very different. And so you sit down with somebody and they almost get this glossy-eyed look on their face because they really don't know what you're talking about because their mind is fixated on a picture that they saw somewhere and they want that in their backyard. But there's a process to get from the concept of having that to actually having that. And so my goal was really to educate consumers a little better so they become better buyers so that we do better with them, whether it's me or Mike or anybody else. More educated buyer is always a better buyer. And additionally, to make an impact on the up and coming generation and to hopefully inspire some others to give back. I think all of us that have had a good run in the industry owe the industry. And it's just my perspective. And so we need to be given back. That's the whole point. Yeah, and I think Can you guys talk a bit about the different format. What's the format going to look like? Is it going to be interview style, solo episodes, or like deep dives into different things or combination? What's that going to look like for listeners? It'll be a combination of all of that. We'll have guest speakers on it. We'll probably bring on some other designers from other parts of the country. We'll definitely have products on from time to time. We'd love to get with you guys here and there. And just generally setting it up. When you decide you're going to make a phone call to a pool company, what are some of the things that you're going to need? We want to prepare them for that process. So the first several episodes that we're doing is to take them through that process. Then we're probably going to start jumping around to different features, some things that they may, everybody may consider on a pool to features that 
very few consider on a pool, but think that maybe they want them in the first place. Case in point, vanishing edge comes up a lot of times. A lot of people don't even know what that really involves and what it's going to function and what the costs are going to be. And so we're just trying to, again, give people information. And then we're here in DFW. How things are built here are different than they're built, say, in I was in Seaside, Florida this morning. So versus I used to be in Sacramento, California, or if you're in Albany, New York, those are all different markets. And so we're not going to claim that there's only one way to do things. In some parts of the country, there's other things that you have to consider. And we're trying to, again, round things out so people will be aware of different things they may have to expect in their different geographic locations, as well as all kinds of features. So it'll be fun. Now, you were talking about having guests on there and designers. Are there any specific or particular companies or designers that you're looking to have or already have lined up to be a guest on your show? No. <laughs> that's not totally true. Okay. That's <laughs> We're going to have some great people on. We'll surprise everybody. Okay. There you go. We've got a lot of support from the industry publications. Both Mike and I write for them. I think we have a good launch platform and a good message to get across. I, I'm very inspired by what we're doing, and my mind's already clicking along with what's coming next. And I think there's a need. That the biggest thing is there's a need for it in our industry. Yeah. So I started looking, and it was like, okay, there's nothing out there. So that was one of the things that I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm in the car a lot, driving around. Again, I'm an education nut. I'm trying to learn things. I listen to interior designers. I listen to architects. I listen to all these different things. And almost all the podcasts are broadcast to the industry that they're working in, right. not necessarily the consumer. In fact, my thought always is I'm lazy, so I want to copy somebody else's <laughs> setup. So let's find somebody. And I was like, there's not that many of them. So anyway, I think it's going to be really helpful. And will you guys also, obviously technology has played a big role in the industry. So will you guys be doing some deep dives also into the technology side of it? or We will, and we'll also be doing episodes from in the field will be out on jobs yeah and so, we're going to shoot podcasts from different potentially different places of business and to introduce their outdoor products if you will so there's a lot on the table yeah, i've got into this new electric pencil sharpener i am the dinosaur i still sit at a drafting table and draw everything by hand uh -huh. and kevin's very much into computers and 3d modeling and i have someone that helps me with that uh -huh. because it's essential yes if you're old you can do this too but here's the thing like the technology out there for some of this there's some stuff that is whatever software that they use. And sometimes it's hard to do. You're like, is this a real pool or is this a design? And I've posted stuff before and I said, oh my God, look at this amazing building. They sent me a message back and they're like, that's a design. And I'm like, holy crap. And, and the weird thing is not everybody uses it. Like I've seen some people submit some projects to some potential customers and I'm looking at it going, you're doing this for this big of a budget and you don't have that latest technology to use as your advantage. I think that's crazy. I think that different organizations have different perspectives about that because there are organizations that they only just care about just getting another sale. So they're basically teaching their salespeople, focus on the pool, focus on the pool. And the software that Noah came out with 20 some odd years ago, that pool studio program is just a phenomenal program because 
a layperson can learn how to use it. It's going to take some effort to get good at it. I would suggest that that program has yet to be fully used by too many people, its capabilities, if you will. And then there's Lumion and there's some other programs that have come out that are really good. And it takes some time to get to learn to operate those programs and be proficient and good at it. And I think this is one of the things that few people really recognize, especially on the consumer side. And we live in this Amazon society in which we can get on Amazon, we can pick what we want, and the following day it gets delivered. When you're talking about a million-dollar pool, it takes weeks to create these plans and sometimes even longer because we go through this long process, which we're going to be talking about on the podcast, of what it takes to even be able to put a set of plans together for what it is that you're asking for. And I don't think too many people have any idea, really, the effort that it takes to get to the point where you're producing a buildable this is a key thing, a buildable, Good work. really amazing project. And we want people to know that because when it takes two or three or four weeks or several months to put these projects together, they understand. It's, you're not just buying an Amazon product. You're buying something very custom and very unique. It's, a swimming pool is, is like few other things. It's oftentimes way too simplified as just a vessel holding water. It's a lot more than that. I have a question. We talk a lot about from our end of the industry with service and stuff, how important it is to set expectations with consumers. And what you were just talking about, we had a small retail store for a few years and we did a lot of in-store water testing and things like that. And something I noticed is that the relationship between the consumer and the builder more often than not once the project was completed was not a very good relationship and i couldn't help but wonder if it's just they have missed expectations on what the process actually entails and what all is involved and maybe that wasn't communicated properly to the consumer things like that what i'm getting to is like how important is it from the builder side of things to really educate the customer on what the overall process looks like and what they can expect from it and that there will be problems along the way and things like that i think part of the problem is who's doing the talking so you got to realize with covid there's a whole lot of shoe salesmen and insurance guys that decided hey i'm going to get into the pool industry because this is booming right now and this would be great i get to walk around in shorts and take in the sun and so they became pool designers and pool salespeople. and so the challenge with that is they didn't have the knowledge base to describe and understand some things and the other thing with covid in the last several years none of us had a clue what the anticipation was going to be on lengthening projects and availability of materials and all those things. But sometimes just as simple as when I describe the access to a client, I'd tell them you'll have a minimum of a 10 foot path of utter destruction. Now the word utter destruction gives them a clear idea of what they're going to get. Now, a lot of times a salesperson likes to dance around that and say, well, your grass will grow back and it won't be that bad and stuff like that. It really helps if you lay it out to them honestly what it is. But sometimes they don't know because they haven't even experienced it yet. I remember the first time I had a client, so like, can you put some plywood down and maybe save my grass? And I was like, maybe I got this steel plate we can put out there. It drove the steel plate 12 inches into the ground after we drove this bobcat over it a couple hundred times. But you don't know until you've experienced those things. And sometimes you think you're going to be able to deliver in, in such a way and you can't. So I think as you 
grow in your knowledge base, you can explain to things better. Hey, those tiles right there, they're not going to all look like that one sample that's on the wall. In fact, let's get five of them delivered to your house so you can see the range and color in it. So when we put them on your pool, you're not like, oh my God, that's not what I picked because they looked at one. Okay. Because we all made that mistake at some point in our career and you thought, oh yeah, it'll look like that. And then it doesn't. The other thing that's happened, I think, and I'll shut up and let Kevin talk some, is What's happened is the clients all expected this to be done in a short period of time, and some of the builds took longer, but I'd rather have a pool build take longer and have them upset for a little while than have it done quickly and then have a nightmare for them to deal with the rest of their lives. And that's something that, again, I don't think clients understand fully what they're getting until two or three years later. But a lot of times, right when the pool's done, I'm like, never send the survey out then because none of them are happy at that point. Give them two or three weeks at least for them to talk to their friends about their disaster stories. And then sometimes they find, oh, mine wasn't that bad after all. It's exciting for people to get a pool. And as Mike and I have talked many times, it's probably the number two most expensive thing somebody is ever going to buy. Unless they're buying an entry-level pool and they have a new Escalade out front, the pool's going to be that second largest expenditure and it's a bunch of money. And I don't think that they realize what they're getting into. And that's really what we want to do is try to prep them for how the industry works. And we're not saying that it's perfect. We're also not saying that it's got a lot of problems. It just, it is what it is. The industry is what it is. It takes what it takes to build a swimming pool. They're built outdoors in the environment by different people on different lots for different types of personalities. And though I think it's next to impossible to make everybody happy, we want to try. And the way that you do that is to set realistic expectations for what's going to happen. And when we come into your yard, it's going to get destroyed. And it's going to look like a war zone for a few months. And I just tell everybody, look, I'm going to print you out these 3D images, put them on your refrigerator. I need you to trust the process. You've trusted me to this point. Trust the organization to get it built and we'll get it done. But it takes some time. There's just a process to it. We have zero control over the weather, but the best time to build is in the wintertime. Why is that? It used to be that there was less demand. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the case anymore because it seems like we've been going nonstop for a long time. And especially on the bigger ones right now, I know I've talked to a lot of people in the industry, real simple pools. People are concerned about interest rates and things like that. And so a lot of people aren't moving on those as much. But the big ones... The people that have a good discretionary income, they're like, now's a great time to buy because I can get more for my dollar. And also it's not backed up as much and there's more materials available. But the winter is always usually a little better because the weather, the temperature here in North Texas is the hardest thing to deal with. The longer we're not dealing with 110 degrees to work outside, guys can work in 40 degree temperatures no problem versus i don't know how these guys worked this last summer this last summer was brutal yeah capital letters it was tough anyway it's just expectations are about and the challenge is most pool companies are great pool companies the challenge is when you get newer salespeople that work for those companies they don't understand everything that's going to be involved and they may overpromise and underdeliver. And then the pool companies, they walk into the backyard. The foreman walks in and is like, you're doing what in this backyard? And you told them in how long it was going to be done. 
<laughs> that's not realistic. The homeowner didn't know that wasn't realistic. Sales guy was a little too salesy. That's crazy. So what do you guys believe are the most significant challenges in swimming pool design today and how will your podcast tackle them? I think that the biggest challenge, and not really a challenge because it's actually gotten much better over the last two or three decades, but being able to convey what you're going to do versus what's in somebody's head so that they understand in complete what it is that's going to happen. And I've said this many times. In fact, I, I was teasing Mike actually a few weeks ago because I had said something to him on one of the episodes we were taping. And I asked him, I said, do you remember when we used to sit down and draw at the kitchen table with pencil and paper? And he, he laughed and said, I still do that. <laughs> It's a drafting table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got off the hand drawing, which I was really good at it, about 10 or 12 years ago when I inherited a staff that everybody used, Pool Studio, and just made it a point to get as good on it as I could. The problem really is we as designers, we're meeting with homeowners. We work for a construction company. And getting that vision, Mike's vision, my vision, the other designer's vision onto a format that they know what they're buying and they understand the process and what it's going to take to get from point A to point B. And I've always thought the biggest challenge to the pool industry is half the time, I don't think customers even know what they're buying. We look at other estimates from other pool companies. Often there's not any information on it. And so I think what happens is homeowners look at the two things they understand, their name and what's the price. And I don't know if they're just taking a leap of faith that they're getting what they want or not. When you're a homeowner and you get 10 bids and you've talked to 10 guys, 10 people, just imagine how much information is floating around in their head that they don't even understand. And they've heard five different ways. That's the challenge, I think, is for us as an industry to get better at conveying to our end users, which affords us all a standard of living, if you will, to make it easier for them. And I 100% agree, and I still draw on my drafting table, but I do have my assistant, Megan, puts everything in 3D. And I think I assisted you on one of those. <laughs> oh, my assistant, Kevin? Anyway. When I first got here. Yeah, when you first got here. there was. I still haven't bought that pool. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have used me. <laughs> the challenge is, to me, as a designer, is there's all these different products and thoughts and materials and there's hundreds of decisions to be made and trying to understand what is the best one for the client. Now, some people come in with the thought processes, I'm the expert, I'm going to tell the client what they have to do. And that has some merit to it. But then again, my landscape architecture training, my process is I like to do things different. I've never done two pools the same in 30 years. And so my job is to come up with their unique combination of features. And those features keep growing. And so having knowledge about all these different things. When I did the first Lazy River 12 years ago, there was very few people to even talk to about a Lazy River and what would work and how it would be done and all these things. And when we flipped the switch and turned it on, it was like, gosh, we hope this works. And it worked great because we talked to a lot of good people and gathered information. So I think the challenge is about learning new things. Now, what we talked about earlier is the education and the availability of knowledge is better than it's ever been before. So I see it as an opportunity to keep learning and, and doing new things in the outdoor environment. And as Kevin mentioned, we're not 
pool designers anymore or outdoor living and everything that goes with that. A couple of years ago, I'd hardly ever done a pizza oven. Now I do pizza ovens all the time because it's the new thing. So I'd learn about pizza ovens and next month it'll be something else that I'll have to learn about and figure out. So that's the fun of it. Yeah, just outdoor kitchens. That's a whole thing on its own. We've got people spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on an outdoor kitchen. Yes, I will be teaching a class at the Southwest Pool and Spa Show in February about outdoor kitchens. Just do a shameless plug. That is absolutely amazing. So the encouragement to anybody new in the industry is to start spreading your wings just a little bit because you're going to be more than just a pool salesperson. You're basically tasked with creating a space that these people are going to spend potentially years enjoying with their family. It's a lot of responsibility. It's pretty cool to have that kind of an impact on a family's life. And there are schools, hundreds of schools that teach interior designs and schools that teach architecture and there's schools for engineering, but there's not a single college program for pools out there. The cool thing is there is a lot more information as we've gone and done all this so that people can do this. We're hoping to be another source of that information. Absolutely love it, 100%. Hey guys, let's do this. Let's take our final words from our sponsors. When we come back, Mr. Zacharias, John, I wanna get your final thoughts. The Hyper Pole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray, all day. 
Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Natural Chemistry, a leader in specialty water care solutions for over 30 years, is proud to provide products that make pool service easier than ever before. Its unique enzyme formulations in Pro Series Pro Blend improve efficiency of your pool program while reducing frequency of filter cleaning and scum lines. Natural Chemistry is also well known for its wide variety of phosphate removal solutions that include a non-clouding formula in phosphory and extremely high range removal with Pro Series Foss Remove or Foss Free Max. Save time, save money, save work with Pro Series products. Stop sacrificing durability or efficiency with the help of Raypack's new Avia HD models that utilize NITEC, their exclusive industry-first technology. NITEC Heat Exchanger Technology is Raypack's latest solution to superior strength and maximum efficiency when it comes to residential pool heating. With 900% more nickel compared to Cooper Nickel in critical surfaces, NITEC creates an ideal surface to protect against scale formation and erosion without compromising on Avia's 84% thermal efficiency. Learn more at raypack.com slash nitech. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation Live podcast. We are talking to Mike Farley, Kevin Woodhurst, the new host of the Poolside Perspective podcast that is going to be dropping on Monday. I'm going to have to confess, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts just because I don't have the time, but I got yours on my number one list to go download on Monday. So I'm going to be looking forward to that one. There you go, because that's right. You're doing it in-house with Spider. Mr. Zacharias, let me get your final thoughts. Yeah, so I just want to say thank you to you guys for coming on and hanging out with us today. And I really enjoyed learning about some of the different challenges and the things that have to be considered when thinking and talking about designing a pool, because a lot of what you talked about today, once you've said it, it's, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But for someone who's not in that realm, like a lot of it is stuff that I would have never even considered. So that was super interesting to me. Just a big congratulations for getting ready to drop your podcast episode. And I will definitely be listening. I do my podcasting listening on the way to and from work and you guys will definitely be on my list. So can't wait to hear it. Thank you. Mr. Flawless, final thoughts. First, thank you guys for trekking down and doing this podcast with us. And secondly, like Zach was saying, I'm excited. I believe we're of the same frame of mind that education is key in giving back what we've learned and understood and sharing it with the new generation is vital for our industry to keep growing and being successful. And I love the twist of where usually you would think, or when I first heard and Edgar and I had a conversation after you guys got off the phone about the podcast that you guys were doing, my thought was it was more driven towards the industry and educating the industry, which we know that's a part of it. Yes. But your guys' take saying, hey, that you want to create a more informed client or customer. And I think that some people might look at that and say, oh, people are always looking at it like, the customers don't need to know, and we need to all keep it in-house. The more they know, then the more they'll question things. But I think you almost, it's like 
you can educate people really well and we can educate our industry, but how they convey it to the client, or if there's not somebody interested in creating a pool or building a pool, if there's not somebody out there that knows that the possibilities of what can be done, and then more importantly, the complexities, right, that are involved in it, we kind of close ourselves off and we limit our potential, our buying pool. But by educating the consumers or the people out there, you create almost like a hype and almost, I don't know how to put it, but maybe I don't know because I haven't really heard the podcast yet, but this is where I'm thinking it's going and getting more people excited to want to put a pool into their backyard and getting more people excited to want to put something more extravagant or something more beautiful into their backyard, which in turn opens up more opportunities for us and pushes us to push the envelope and to do more and to create bigger and better things out there so that we can create these beautiful backyard oasis instead of just a rectangular shaped swimming pool. And I'm going to definitely be a listener. Like I said, this is right up my alley. And us personally, we have a service and repair company out here in California. And what we're looking to do is get into building. And any information I can get and perspectives, especially from you two gentlemen who have been in the industry doing it so well for so long, I'm just like, wow. And I get to listen to this for free. To me, that's amazing. And I wish you guys the best. And we will be listening 100%. Is it going to be every week that you guys are going to be releasing a podcast or is it? Every week. Every week. So I will be there listening. And on Monday, when the first one drops, I'll probably be one of your first listeners. So thank you so much for doing it. Much appreciated and wish you guys the best of luck. And hopefully we can continue working together in the future as your guys' podcast grows. Absolutely. You know, I'm really excited for you guys. And, you know, it took a little bit of time to kind of really understand the goal of what you guys wanted to do with the podcast. But like John was saying, I love the fact that you guys are looking at this, even from a broader picture, not just the regular pool guy or pool builder, but how do we educate everybody outside? And I think what you guys are going to do is I think you are going to be successful because you are going to have all these people that want to build these complex pools. They're going to be able to get that insight as to how it is that those projects work. And then when they are talking to their builders, they're going to have the insight to be able to ask some of the conversations like you were saying, Kevin, that they don't know. All they see is the design here and they need to get to here, right? Now they're getting the information of how that's going to progress. And I think what it's going to do to the industry as you get all these people listening, it's going to elevate that standard and people and builders are going to need to realize these are the communications that we need to have with these homeowners. So it's a satisfied customer which in turn at the end just helps elevate our industry from the standpoint of customer satisfaction and the experience. And so I love that you guys are taking that side of it versus like you were saying, Mike, the typical thing, which is, oh, let's talk to the builders. It's like you saw something bigger and I love that. I think it's gonna be a, a good tool for all involved. Absolutely, and I truly believe that even though you are going to put a big focus onto the customers, all the pool guys that are coming into the industry, it's going to be a resource for them automatically. Yes. My intent was that it was going to be a help to everyone. 
that it would have an impact on everyone. And certainly outside the industry, I want to see the industry continue to grow. I want to see new talent come into the industry. I want to see more innovation and design and more innovation in other areas. And the industry as a whole, from the very beginning for me, it's been a lot of fun just to be able to get involved and do the projects that we've been able to do and to meet and have great mentors along the way. I just feel at this point, I want to give back. I want to see the industry continue to get better and better. That's awesome. So the name of the podcast, one more time. Poolside Perspectives Podcast. And then it'll be available all podcast platforms? Yes, sir. It will be. Okay. So there's a website. It's just poolsideperspectives.com. There'll be links to the episodes there. There's information about both Mike and myself. And that website will continue to grow and gain some legs and do a lot of other things. All right. Do you guys have a YouTube channel, Instagram? We do have a YouTube channel, Poolside Perspectives Podcast. So there's an Instagram with the same as well. We have our individual Mine's Farley Designs on Instagram, Mike Farley on YouTube. And then I have a website, farleypooldesigns.com. And I'll be in Vegas as well, teaching a class on what to do on the first appointment for people in the industry. Then also we'll be hosting the finals of the Million Dollar Pool Challenge, which is a design competition that me and Reed Schindler do. In fact, we have our five finalists. We just got those. Those will be notified here shortly. That's awesome. I can see those guys on the podcast, too. You got to pull those guys into the podcast, too. So I'm sure you thought about that already. But (laughs) anyways, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yep. What's your Instagram? I have to admit, I'm way behind you. <laughs> but still, you, you, yeah, I have an Instagram page. I've started a TikTok page. What's interesting, and I don't mean to take a bunch of time here, but about 10 years ago, I did an article for, I think it was Aqua Magazine, about the social media explosion uh-huh. and what was going to happen. And that was one of the ways that I helped turn around an organization is through social media. But it's morphed so differently from what it was then to now. And it's exciting. But then I'm like... But I'm so far behind him because he's been at it the last 10, 15 years. And, and his wife, Laura, has done a great job with managing that. And I'm running a little bit behind, but I got plenty of content to add and to get going. And I'm excited to do that. I'm going to be at the show just the last couple of days, but I'm going to mostly spend my time down on the floor shooting some videos and talking to everybody and promoting our podcast. That's awesome. All right. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I'm sure this is not going to be the last time that we're going to work together, and I am really looking forward to it. Mr. Zacharias, John, John, I hope you feel better. You're looking a little tired there. Janie did not hook up the lighting for you today, so we need to have a conversation with her out there. (laughs) You'll be out here in two weeks. Looking forward to it, Zach. Looking forward to next week when you guys come up. We have a couple of podcasts right here in a row. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business 
business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com.